0: Thank you for listening to the Grace Church podcast, where you can find teachings, Bible studies, and words of encouragement for any season. For more resources, you can go to graceorlando.com. Let's pray this morning. Father, we just thank you that you are goodness. And today, Lord, let it be that Jesus and Jesus alone is glorified. And Lord, just come into this room, come into this church doesn't matter if it's the service that's going to take place after this or the children's service or even later tonight that it's going to be the sync service for the young people. Lord, I just pray that your anointing would fall and it would touch the hearts and the lives of people that they would leave and never be the same. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so today is my favorite subject, which is righteousness. And we're going to talk about what that means. Uh, there's a whole lot of different ideas people have of righteousness, and if you're a student of the Bible, you can get confused because it doesn't all seem to line up at times. Um, and so we're going to go through it so that we simplify it, we get an understanding of it, okay, and then then it becomes something that we don't just know that it's something that we experience, and it becomes a truth that we actually live in. I mean, for years, I knew I was righteous, but I didn't walk in that righteousness. Didn't change the fact that God still saw me righteous, did not. But how effect- effectively in my life it was, wasn't there. I remember uh, a friend of mine um, from the dream center, he was going to teach something. He's like, man, I'm going to study these scriptures and I'm going to teach them. And I looked at them and I, and I didn't even realize what I was saying. It was all the wisdom of God. He's like, you can't teach something that you haven't experienced and is isn't part of who you are already. And it doesn't mean people can't teach. It doesn't mean God still doesn't work. God works through everything. He'll He'll work through the, the worst mess of us all. But to be the most effectual, it's gotta be real in your life. And if something isn't, that's okay. Guess what you got to look forward to? It being real in your life because God's going to bring it to pass. And he knows exactly what you need and how he needs to bring it in to where you'll receive it and it will become something that's part of your life and it will never, ever, ever be the same. So anyways, if we look and we just break down the definitions of righteousness. First, we're going to look at the Greek. The main word that there's there's five different words in Greek. And they are all sort of saying the same thing, but it really comes back to this one right here as the root word, dikio. And it literally means to be innocent. Hey, listen... The old person that you used to be has been crucified, died, and buried and never exists ever again in the sight of God. So when we try to like take on things that we think we've done wrong and we try to pay for them, what we're saying is that didn't happen. And we're not doing that on purpose. It's just something that that's where we're at for that right now until we get revelation that guess what? That's dead. So the Hebrew is what I love. And it's the Hebrew word tzedek, just like they would say uh, king of righteousness, melech ha that's Jesus, the king of righteousness. And so this word righteousness means to be cleansed in a forensic sense. Now, if you've watched CSI at all, you know that they get a few different things that they collect from a crime scene to determine who the person is. And how many knows it don't lie? It's based on fact. It doesn't lie, okay? So you were so cleansed by the blood of Jesus that everything that was of the old person of your whole life has been wiped away as it never existed to God, and now you're innocent before him. And here's the clincher. You have a legal right to prosper, a legal right. Not based on anything you do or you don't do, a legal right. You're a joint heir with Christ. So as it goes with Christ, so it goes with you. Just like me and my wife, we have a joint checking account. She has every legal right because her name's on that account to go and use that account whenever she wants. Well, guess what? Jesus has the checking account. We are joint ears with him. We're on that joint account. So we have a legal right here. This is what I really, and I'm going to speak this to the church today as well. There are people that have been through things, that they've stopped asking God because they think it's something that they did, that those things are happening to them. That is a lie from the pit of hell because there is nothing in this entire world that can stop God's blessing. Why? Because it's undeserved, unmerited favor. You don't deserve it, you can't earn it. So what makes you think it's gonna stop because of that? And here's the clincher. I love this part. The goodness of God will lead you to repentance. So first, the goodness of God comes when you don't deserve it and you haven't earned it. It'll change your thinking in such a radical way that you'll see God different and you'll be different from that point on. And whatever had a hold of you in that area that you were doing, you're free from. The first scripture, Romans 3.10. There is none righteous, no, not one. Here's Paul talking. Talking about man. There's none righteous, no, not one. How do we, and I and I did this, how do we think there's some good work we can do to make us righteous? When he's saying there is present participle, there never was, there isn't now, and never will be anyone righteous of themselves. So what makes us think that there's something that we can do that's gonna make us righteous with God and that now he'll give us the blessings? There, there's none righteous, no, not one. When you get a revelation of that scripture, and you understand you're the righteous God, it changes everything. Because see, what you couldn't do for yourself, he did for you. Why? Because it was impossible for you to do it for yourself. See, God loves to come in, and what you can't do for yourself, he loves to do it for you. He gets to be the hero in his proper place where he deserves to be, because he is the savior. And that's just not saved from hell. That's saved from every circumstance, every situation, whatever it may be. He's the one that saves you. Romans 10 Two to three. Listen to this. Now, Paul's talking about the Jews, but this does apply to us in a sense. And I'm going to explain that to you after I read it. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. Oh, I used to have a zeal of God. We need to be more holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We need to be more holy. A zeal for God. And it was genuine. I really wanted to honor God. It wasn't like I was putting on a facade. No, this was real. I really wanted to. But eventually you fail so many times you just give up and that's where he can actually come in and save you from that because now you're stopping trying to do it on your own. Listen, he'll let you go down that road, but he already has a fork in the road where he's going to have you turn and take a left instead of a right and it's going to change the trajectory of your life. Because at that corner, you're going to get a hold of a truth that becomes real to you that will take you in a whole different direction in your life. So it says, For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Do you know the law puffs up, but love edifies? Anytime the law is involved, it puffs up Why? It activates man's flesh to have to do something, and then man thinking he gets a reward in return, but not according to knowledge. What knowledge is he talking about? The gospel. That's the only knowledge there is. There's no other knowledge but the gospel. And the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi, all it is is the gospel hidden in all the types and shadows. That's it. So really, Genesis to Malachi, when you understand how to read it properly, now the gospel's just gotten enlarged and there's more there. And it's got these awesome stories that we can see where Jesus is in the story. Listen to this. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. So look at this word, ignorant. Agnoio, to ignore and not understand. To ignore and not understand. They ignored Jesus when they came, the Jews. They ignored him, and they didn't understand. So what did they go about trying to do? Establish their own righteousness. So being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness. We can do that. We can have an area of our life where we actually do that. I feel out of all the freedom that I've gotten, I've just realized I still have healing that needs to take place. And there's areas in my life that need to come in and I need that love to come in and heal me from that. And this isn't my first roadie. I've been walking through this for some time. The more that I realize where I'm healed, the more that I see how much more healing I need. Other people can see that we need to be healed in the area, right? But we can't see it. But that's okay. God's not ready to unveil that to the person yet because they're not ready to handle it. He knows the perfect—you know, like an incubator—you you set up the perfect conditions for for something for something to grow and to survive. He knows exactly how to put us in the incubator at the right place at the right time so that we can grow and we can come out of that situation. Sub, and and so they ha, and then they haven't submitted unto the righteousness of God. Guess what the word submitted? Hoopa. Tasso, to be under the obedience of. They're actually being disobedient. The Jews, this is really in reference first and foremost to the Jews. They're being disobedient by not, by not receiving that gift of righteousness by going out and trying to establish their own. But here, I love God. The goodness of God will lead you to repentance. He'll let them go that way so that they come to their end and they see they can't do it. Guess what now? Help me. I'm ready to be saved. And that's not just for general salvation. That's for anything, save from whatever it is. Okay, now, what's interesting is you can't know the righteousness of God as a free gift unless you have wisdom. And what does James 1.5 says? He who lacks wisdom. So you got to see that you lack wisdom. He who, he who lacks wisdom, ask and it will be given to you. Liberally. And without any reproach. Wow. He's like, dude, all you gotta do is come, just ask me. That's why I said I felt like there's people and they've done some things wrong and they sort of stopped asking, like, what's the use? This is gonna this is gonna hold me back from the goodness of God. Nothing can ever hold back the goodness of God. Because then that would make that greater than God. But it can't be that way. First Corinthians one thirty. Christ is unto his first wisdom. You got to have wisdom. Then you'll understand righteousness, holiness, and redemption. You notice the first one's righteousness. So once you have wisdom, you're asking for wisdom. He gives it to you. You can see righteousness now in a whole way that you've never seen it before. And you'll stop striving and straining for it. And you'll rest and allow him to show it to you that, listen, Christianity is this. I'm just gonna live out of who he says I already am. Law is this, try to become something that you aren't. And that's what we do sometimes in some areas of our life. We all do this stuff, I do it, we all do it. There's no condemnation. There's just room for, there's just room for God changing that area in our lives. See, every negative that you have, that's a positive for God to come in. Listen, he doesn't show his strength in your strength, he shows his strength in your weakness. That's how the gospel of grace works. You don't show God your strength, and then he does something. You show him your weakness. Surrender, and guess what? Now his strength can be made manifest. Proverbs 2, 6. Now it says not, they don't understand. They ignore don't understand, so they need wisdom. So listen to this. Proverbs 2, 6, 3, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Remember, he said the Jews, they don't have knowledge. And they also lack understanding. So wisdom is knowledge and understanding of whatever it is that you need in your life. Okay, Galatians 2.14. So we're going to use some analogies here, okay? So uh, listen to this. So there was a situation where Paul had to rebuke Peter. How many knows this happened twice? It didn't just happen once. It happened twice, okay? So basically what Peter was doing is he was eating with the Gentiles, OK, but then when the Jews came with James, he stopped eating with them. Paul saw this and he went and confronted him. And they say that we don't confront in grace. And listen to what, listen to what Paul said. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, they walked not uprightly, uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. See, do you understand? Now, let's get into a little Hebrew culture real quick, because this is Hebrew culture going on. All right. So what what was going on is when you sat down and ate with somebody, it was called Shul Khan. OK, and what Shul Khan was is an intimate gathering that you would share your heart to one another. It was a place of intimacy with your brothers in the church. And what the, what the law was trying to do is separate the Gentiles from being able to enjoy that with their brother Jews because they're all saved. There's no Jew. There's no Greek. There's only one new creation in Christ. That's what the law... Listen, be so careful. Don't let any law into your teaching. Why do I say that? He said, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Yeah. The law is no longer for us, only grace. And you can't mix them together. And if you do, you nullify both covenants. Grace can't work under law and law can't work under grace. You are actually come to a dead standstill. So the word uprightly is orthopodio. This is where we get the word orthopedics. Now, I did a little research on this. Did you know orthopedics and chiropractors, they pretty much do the same thing. There are some differences, but they do the same thing. One of the things that they work on is the spine, especially the chiropractor. Because he was talking about walking uprightly. That he said, they're not walking up. right. Now, in this case, it's spiritual, but we're going to look at a physical case that has to do with a spiritual situation in just a second. Okay, so so basically, we had this chiropractor uh, at the Dream Center, and it was free for anybody that was on staff. Okay, so we go down there all the time, and what she would do is uh, she was so sweet, and, she, and she's the only person I would let, like, crack my neck and do those things. She had the, just she was called to do this. She had gentle hands. She just did it right, you know what I mean? And she would take a picture of your spine and she would show you where it's off in the curves and where we needed to get to be where it's supposed to be so that you can walk properly. Do you know if there's something wrong with your spine and you've got a bent over like this, everything else is thrown off. All the rest of your musculoskeletal system is thrown off. Are you getting this? Listen, when you start getting law into your life, it's going to throw off the way and it'll affect how you walk. You're still the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. That will never change. There's nothing you can do to change that, but it can affect the way that you walk in life. Mm. So let's talk about the lady that was bent over for 18 years. We know this story, right? I know the, the, I got Bible people in here. I know you all know this story. Okay, so 18, you want to know what 18 is? Six. Six. Six, that's the mark of the beast right there. That's the work, here, listen. Do you know that Satan basically clothes himself as a imitator of righteousness of God? But it's a judgmental kind, it's the law. Are you hearing me? It's the law, okay? So basically six plus six plus six equals 18. That's the mark of the beast. What is that? That's the fallen Adamic nature. We're not that anymore. At one time we were that, but we're not that anymore. We're the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. So when we understand that what this woman was going from, do you know she was part of a synagogue? What do you think she was hearing? Law, every week on the, on the Sabbath. They would have a, a different parashaw and they would go through the whole Bible in like three and a half years or whatever it was. And, uh, and, and basically you know, there would be a different parashaw, a different portion every week that, that the rabbi would teach so jesus comes in and he's teaching and he sees this woman bent over do you think she's got some orthopedio problems by the way here let me also say this you know the first curse that god did for satan was saying you will be on the belly eating dust all the days of your life do you know rabbinical tradition says that the snake was upright before that that's how it was able to talk to adam and eve because they were he was upright but when God cursed him, he was, his belly was on the uh, dust. Now, remember Jesus also said, if you go into town and they reject, they reject you, the gospel, he says, shake the dust off your feet. Why? Dust represents condemnation. And what is the law? The ministry of condemnation and death. People are killing people slowly in the pulpits. Yep. And we thought like, oh man, more of this grace revolution is getting out. And we saw some things, we're like, nah, it's not getting out like we think it is. <laughs> it was death. They were preaching death to their congregations. Ah, oh, Jesus, help them all. And I don't stand here with one proud bone in my body. Listen, it by the grace of God, I got grace. I know it had nothing to do with me. He came and saved me when I couldn't save myself. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, so basically, Jesus comes in and he preaches and he sees this woman, right? I love this. This is one of the, this is one of the miracles where he actually laid hands on somebody. And so he says... Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, a daughter of Abraham, that means co- new covenant. Ought this woman not be, this woman being a daughter of Abraham, shouldn't she be made healed? He touched her, laid hands on her, and then he pulled back and he said, Be healed. And she went from this under condemnation and death. What do you think all those years in the synagogue did to her? That's the work of the enemy, is the law, because all it can do is condemn and bring death. And Jesus, Spoke, laid hands, and spoke again, and she went up. And then the leader of the synagogue had the audacity to say, "There's six days a man should work, and then, you know, and then you know, rest on the on on the on the one day, you know. And it's like so on that rest day, there should be no work of healing." And Jesus goes, "You hypocrite! D- did you know Jesus reserved his harshest words for the Pharisees, not for the tax collector, not for the prostitute." But for the Pharisees, why? They went about going in to establish their own righteousness, ignoring that their righteousness, the person of their righteousness was right in front of them, and they rejected them and tried to establish their own righteousness. Pharisees, whew, man, they are a group of of guys, weren't they? So basically, she gets healed. She steps up, and he goes, and so they said, you you know, this is a day of rest. You should work on the other days. Let her come back and be healed on those days. Jesus goes, you hypocrite. He goes, any of you that had a donkey that fell into a pit, wouldn't you go right away and get it out on the Sabbath? You hypocrites. You would do that You would do that for a donkey. But this woman that's been afflicted for 18 years, you would let her sit like that. Let me tell you something about legalism, about religion. It doesn't care about people. It only cares about self-righteousness and upholding what they think is right. The woman that was uh, thrown before them caught an act of adultery. If she would have gotten stoned to death, they would have been happy. We won't go into all that. To wrap this up, let me tell you how subtle self-righteousness is. Subtle. It comes in, you don't even, you're not even aware of it. That's why, you know, for us, God let God show us if we have any of those areas. But I've already stated, you can never be made unrighteous again by anything you do or you don't do. You are righteous. That is a position that you have, and it can never be lost. Okay, so let's just, before we go into that why i'm learning more and more you know i just talked to somebody uh, a ministry that we're going to be working with and they had a guy that was you know a pastor and he was like 80 years old try to control everything and like even take over the ministry on these people that actually started it and i'm like that poor man been in church all those years and he never got healed See, we can put a facade on all we want, but we're never going to enjoy the abundant life unless we get healed from the wounds that we have. And we can all still have some wounds. Some might not be the same as others, but we all have some areas of our life. And there's some telltale signs to it that, you know, you be like, oh, obviously i got an issue here. Guess what? Let me take this to my father. Remember, in the secret place where it's just you and him, not even the enemy knows what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And you can talk to him there. And guess what? As you talk to him, he's like, I know where it hurts. Let me start to heal that area of your life. You know, I was a drug addict for 15 years and then I went right into the church. I just, you know, I did, I I encountered God's grace when I was in that room and I overdosed on meth. And I said, Jesus, help me. And he came into that room and saved me and I didn't die of a heart attack like I should have. I experienced his grace, but I had no Biblical knowledge to back it up here. Let me give you, let me get, I don't care what you think you hear, what you think you feel. If it is not in the word of God, be careful. Because the word of God substantiates even our thoughts, our experiences, all that stuff. It's gotta have that foundation, the word of God. Not, not, the, not the rhema Word of God first and foremost, but the written Word of God, the Logos Word of God. So in key and important. But I had an experience. Something happened to me. I was different after that because I encountered His grace. But then I got into the church, and guess what they taught? Establish your own righteousness. It's like, yeah, you're saved, but now you need to do... Pop. There goes that whole list that none of us, we'd take. we'd be here for days trying to read all the things on it, you know what I mean? And um, so I was like, well, let me get started. I was very zealous for God. I had a zeal, but not according to knowledge. Yeah. See, I know that scripture because that scripture was me, you know what I mean? And so, uh, so anyways, I mean, I just started doing what was right, but the only problem is because I didn't have the right teaching, I accredited that to myself that I was making myself righteous, I mean, and even the things that I did wrong, I was under the, the, the lie of confession of sins that every time you confess your sins, um, you know, that you're forgiven. You know why that sets people up for, for just, you know, the wrong way of living? Because it's like it never stops. It never stops. You're already forgiven of all your sins. But if you want to talk to him about one of your struggles, go right ahead. He got no problem with that. Come to me, son. Come to me, daughter. I'll wrap you in my wings and we'll have a private conversation, Right? I didn't even realize I was self righteous. And then I looked back, I was like, dang, I was self righteous. is all get up. I might have not been really mean like some people are, but I was still self righteous. You know what I mean? And I wasn't out there like condemning people for everything. You know, I'm living holy, you're not, da 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 da, or whatever. You know, I wasn't doing that. But there was still that self righteousness there. Because I was living better than I was before, even with my mistakes, I figured, hey, man, that covers it all pretty much. I'm good, right? Do you know one thing I know from that life? There was never any rest. There was never any rest because you always had to be doing something. There was no rest. See, working out of rest is one thing. Working so that you can rest is a whole different thing. This went on for seven years. I even, got, I even went, you're like, Eric, would you learn Hebrew? I went to uh, uh, you know, a, a Torah school, Shiloh Torah School in, uh, in um, Southern California, and it was a straight law. These were Messianic Jews. They were Sephitic Jews that had migrated to Mexico, and uh, they kept part of the names of, the, of their Jewish names in with those names and try to retain some of their, you know, some of their identity. And so that's what these people are. they sweet, precious people. It just, it was all law. Well, I thank God for that. Number one, because I learned Hebrew. And number two, which actually got me to start listening to Joseph Prince. So, because he teaches Hebrew. And so I was like, Kim's like, Eric, man, there's this guy. He's teaching Hebrew just like you. I was like, what? Record a couple of them for me. You know, let me let me see what this guy's all about. You know what I mean? And I listened to him. I was like, you got to be kidding me. There's no way this can be true. But it started to pull me in. And I was going through a, a real, like my porn addiction had come to its final end. It was like just so bad. It was uncontrollable. I had no control over it whatsoever. I'm sure you guys can relate. We all got areas of our life that we, we seem not to have any control. And... So I was, I was at my wit's end, and I started watching him. And I was like, I'm going to hold on. Just pause, because when you DVR it, you can pause that. You know what I mean? I'm going to write that down. Okay. Whew. Pause. I'm going to write that down. I did that for a whole year, and one day it hit me. Oh, my God, this is real. Grace is real. And guess what? I never struggled with pornography like I did before. And matter of fact, after some seasons, I got completely free and I got almost 10 years free now. So when people say grace doesn't work, it gives license to sin, what I would say to this, know the goodness of God will lead you to repentance first and then it'll cause you to live a life that glorifies God. Father, we just thank you right now. This week for these precious people that came and took their time this morning, I pray that you would encounter them with your love on a whole different level that they've never experienced before that would heal them of those things that they've been trying to heal their whole lives or that they try to suppress or whatever it is. I pray that your love lavishly comes in like a tsunami and knocks it all away till there's nothing left but you, your love, and them. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. (laughs)